Welcome back to The Real News Network. I'm Paul Jay, and this is Reality Asserts Itself. In an article titled, What Does Harvey Weinstein Tell Us About the Liberal World? Thomas Frank writes, What explains Weinstein's identification with progressive causes? Perhaps it was about cozying up to power, the thrill of being a friend of Bill Clinton. A little further down, in the world of the wealthy, liberalism is something you do to offset your rapacious behavior in other spheres. It's no coincidence that in Weinstein's desperate first response to the accusations against him, he thought to promise war against the National Rifle Association and to support scholarships for women. But it's also something deeper than that. Most people on the left think of themselves as resistors of authority. But for certain of their leaders, modern-day liberalism is a way of rationalizing and exercising class power, specifically the power of what some like to call the creative class, by which they mean well-heeled executives in industries like Wall Street, Silicon Valley, and Hollywood. Worshipping these very special people is the doctrine that has allowed Democrats to pull even with Republicans in fundraising and that has buoyed the party's fortunes in every wealthy suburb in America. Harvey Weinstein seemed to fit right in. This is a form of liberalism that routinely blends self-righteousness with upper-class entitlement, that makes its great pronouncements from Martha's Vineyards and the Hamptons, that routinely understands the relationship between the common people and showbiz celebrities to be one of trust and intimacy. Now joining us again in the studio is Thomas Frank. Thanks for joining us. It's my pleasure, Paul. So that's a revealing and, uh, I don't know, I'm not sure vicious is the right word, realistic, <laughs> yeah. skating. Yeah, that's not, that's not vicious. There's, you know, I'm sorry, I'm, of course I'm, I'm biased. I wrote that. <laughs> I thought that was fair. <laughs> I thought yeah. that, I mean, it was, basically it was a, the Harvey Weinstein case happened and I, I, I think, you know, uniquely among um, American journalists, I'd never heard of the guy before. And so I started reading up on him. You know, who, who is this guy? He's been accused of uh, sexually harassing women in hundreds of cases, or I don't know how many, dozens of cases, many. And uh, I'd never heard of him before. I start reading up on him. And, and you keep reading about his intimacy with leaders of the Democratic Party. He's always giving them money, hosting their fundraisers, uh, you know, doing, hosting uh, this good cause and that good cause. Um, and he sort of fit into a, a type of Democrat that I'm, of, of, of liberal supporter, I should say, that, that, that I'm very familiar with. Uh, so take a step back. Earlier uh, in Listen Liberal, I wrote about the Clinton Foundation and what the Clinton Foundation does. Um, and I'm not talking here about the various accusations that people made of them, you know, the, the acting as a slush fund or that sort of thing. What I'm talking about is the way that they kind of... Um, uh, they they act as a moral how would you put it as a moral exchange for uh, for people who are who are quite bad. <laughs> a lot of foundations do this, okay. And and so my argument is that this is what liberalism is. The in, Saudis give them money. Yeah, and so yeah. Do others, or or yeah. so you go to their their events and their their is a very high octane goodness. You know, lots of celebrities, uh, people who are celebrated for being good people, highly, highly, highly moral people, often people who are only known by one name, like Bono or uh, Malala, you know, uh, but uh, people who are saintly. And they are, there's an ex kind of exchange there where those people are made to uh, rub up against uh, figures from American business. 
and uh, you know, business people donate this money to all these good causes. And there's a kind of, and then the Clintons are the, the facilitators in the middle of this. They're, they have a hand in each camp, right? In the extremely highly moral, saintly camp, and also in the really dirty, awful, ugly uh, business world. And there's a kind of moral exchange that happens via the Clinton Foundation. And this is, the, Harvey Weinstein really, I mean, I think better than almost anybody I know of, not only fits into that, but was acting it out. When he first was accused, was like, oh, oh you're saying I'm doing these bad things? Well, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll go after the, the National, I'll go after the National Rifle Association. You know, uh, I'll, I'll give money to good causes. You know, that's what liberalism is. It's, it's a, it's a, uh, what, what was the word, that, the phrase that I used in Listen Liberal? It's, it's um, virtue offsets. It's like rich people buying, you know, carbon offsets, but they're buying, they're buying like liberalism offsets. Karma so, offsets. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's what it is. And it's, uh, it's a moral, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a moral financial, moral slash financial operation that doesn't really depend on getting votes or winning elections or anything like that. It's all about this Car this exchange of karma, buying the karma offset. And it's good PR. It makes <laughs> your company yeah, looks yeah. like you care yeah. about things. Yeah. And, 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 and how does this resonate amongst you know, sections of rural America where towns oh, well, are dying and workers who have, don't have jobs? It seems to me like people get the vulgar lies to some extent of Trump. They, we interviewed a guy in Dundalk, and, which is a place outside of Baltimore, very rust belt. It used to be one it. of the big steel mills, now yeah. high unemployment and terrible uh, uh, drug problems, families falling apart. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, and this guy I gave a wonderful quote. He says, it's not that we don't think Trump is crazy. You know, we know he's crazy. We don't believe most of what he says. And we voted for him. Yeah. What does that yes. tell you about what we think of this political system? <laughs> wow. That's a, that's a great way of putting it. Uh, I, I could add on to that. I mean, like, I think of my people in Kansas who are, uh, you know, Bible-believing Christians and voted for a, a man who boasted about groping women, said it was his right as a celebrity to, to grope women. Uh, they, didn't, they didn't agree with that. You know, that's, that was, it's a monstrous statement, what Donald Trump said, and they voted for him anyway. Uh, that's a really interesting question. But to go back to Harvey Weinstein, this is the broader question of the relationship between the Democratic Party and, these, and celebrities uh, who... Look, they make a very simple calculation. They say Americans like to go to movies. You know, movies are one of the things, the, the, the best things that our country does. You know, we export them all around the world. It's a highly successful industry. It's our kind of industry, the Democrats say. It's a, you know, it's creative class, all that kind of nonsense. Uh, you know, it's, a, it's our, uh, our sort of thing. What they don't understand is that it, it cuts both ways. Yes, Americans like to go to movies, but Americans hate aristocracy. And that's what celebrity is. I mean, there's something very deep in the American grain. We are democratic to the core in this country. Another word for it, by the way, is populist, that we can't stand uh, the idea of stars and celebrities. I mean, this, this... Well, sure, love, hate, because the same people that are voting for Trump at the grocery stores are buying... Oh, of uh, course, right? They all want to read that Celebrity magazines. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, no, it's but it's a, it's a love hate thing it's, because it's, these same people, when they these get same divorced people will, and their families fall apart. Really. No, that's right. But these same people will, uh, you know, they'll go to church on Sunday and listen to these these denunciations of sinful Hollywood. You know, you know how it is. It's America. There are they, they they simultaneously will take both sides of the question, but it's not as simple as Democrats think, and they think that just you know uh, hanging around with celebrities and doing benefit shows with whatever you know rock star or something like that that's going to help them uh, win the election and it does no such thing it never it never works I asked you Harvey this, Weinstein's a great example of that. I asked you this in the last segment but, but I'll ask you again because you spent a lot of time talking to people that have voted for Republicans used to vote for Democrats now vote Republicans yeah. um, the fact is as much as you and I have been critiquing Clinton and critiquing Obama uh, in small ways not the, as much as we would like to see Actually, life is better for most people. It's, it's objective. You can look at it under Democrats and under Republicans. The Republicans are worse. As bad as, and as, yeah. as, as much as these guys serve the interests of Wall Street being Democrats, the Republicans are worse. Those statistics are, uh, that is true, and I, and I would agree with that, but those statistics are massively skewed by the Roosevelt administration. <laughs> you know, the, the Hoover, Roosevelt, you, you know what I'm yeah, Anyhow, but, it doesn't but, matter. But, but even, and then, of course, George W. Bush. Yeah, you know. I mean, as, as, as fractured and dog's breakfast as the Affordable Health Care Act was, it yeah. had some yes, reforms. Yes, better than nothing. Yes. It, oh, was, better, is, it was better than nothing. That is for nothing. sure, yes, yes. I mean, you know, yes. you know pre-existing conditions were covered. Oh, no, that's right. 26 that's right. years old yeah. and so on. The hypocrisy of the Democrats infuriates whole sections of America. But why doesn't the hypocrisy of the Republicans infuriate them as much or more? Because it's, it's, it's as bad. I mean, we're, now we're back to that, that same question. And I would go back to the answer that I was working on before, which is that the Republicans have, for whatever reason, and I don't really know the answer to this, but have become very, very, very good at uh, the populist style at pretending to be a man of the people and acting like a man of the people and doing the motions and talking the language and Democrats are very uncomfortable with it anymore and this is largely a reflection of two things one the Republicans have studied history and in particular the history of the 30s this is their disaster period the Republican Party was almost destroyed in the 1930s and it was all at the hands of these left-wingers and these Huey Long types and Franklin Roosevelt and you know uh, at the hands of, of populism and because they had been identified with Wall Street they know the pitfalls of that they know the dangers of being identified with Wall Street and they know the dangers of being on the wrong side of populism and they have ever since then they have done everything in their power to act like that and to pretend to be a man of the people and to work against what they actually are which is basically the sidearm of organized money <laughs> you know they are a weapon wielded by organized money the democrats uh have no such history they have no such fear because that didn't happen to them. They never learned that lesson. And they, the lesson they learned is a very different one. If you look at what the Democratic Party is today as opposed to what it was when you and I were younger, it's a very different animal. It is the party of the professional class today. It's not the party of organized labor anymore. You know, it's not the party of the people. It's not the party of those people in the small towns in Missouri. It's not Harry Truman's bunch anymore. It is a party of the professional class. And they are, I mean, Hillary Clinton it, it was their nominee for a good reason. They, she uh, was a sort of perfect 
ideal is idealized version of themselves this hyper wonkish you know ivy league educated very 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 competent person who's able to discuss policy and talk very rapidly and you know do these things that's their image of what a democrat should be and and this most americans look at that image and they say that is an elite that's not the elite that's not uh that's not you know big fat money bags a monopoly man right but that is an elite that's the guy that that's the guy that fires you from your job that's the guy that that grades your paper in high school and tells you you did a lousy job you know that's the person the, the professional class is an elite they're the ones that uh, that judge you when you get a speeding ticket you know uh, you go right down the list that is life's officer corps and to identify i'm sorry to keep interrupting you to identify yourself with this elite in the way that democrats have is is a catastrophic mistake but they can't see it paul and it's, it's also part of this that the republicans has have successfully uh, positioned themselves as the party of god yeah and it doesn't matter what they do they get away with being the party of religion until you have the catastrophe like george w bush you know until you have the a series of catastrophes that, that when he left office he was Oh, his, what was his approval rating? It was like in the 20s. It was so bad. We had, we had evangelical pastors calling the real news, thanking us for our coverage, saying that we, in our congregation had been rethinking. We were conned by Bush. But right yeah. back at it again with Trump. I'm, yep. Can I tell you an anecdote that, I mean, maybe you've heard this before, maybe this will fascinate you, maybe this will drive you crazy, but uh, obviously the evangelicals went for Donald Trump, who is not a man of, I mean, I shouldn't say anything about the man's soul, I don't know, but this is not a guy who's real familiar with the Bible or anything. This is not a guy I don't, who's I don't think evangelicals think Trump is a, is a real believer. No, no one, no one He's a vehicle for them. Exactly. Okay, but look at Hillary Clinton. Now, this is really interesting. Did you know that Hillary Clinton is a Bible-believing Methodist who uh, confers with her pastor every day? Uh, this is a woman that has, if you read her, uh, her campaign memoir, which I did, uh, has memorized big chunks of the Bible, and she'll come across someone in a restaurant who's reading the Bible, and they'll, they'll have a talk about what the person is reading. And Hillary's always very, because she's, of course, a biased observer uh, or biased narrator, but she, by her own telling, always knows what they're talking about and this kind of thing. They don't even know that. The public is not aware of that. That Hillary is this church-going, you know, strong-believing Methodist. People don't even know this. Her campaign didn't think that was worth bringing up. I have a joke I like to tell. tell me, now, tell me if you've heard this one before, but it's how Hillary could have won the election. Okay, so I'm from Kansas City. And when I was in high school there, we used to play a game uh, called College Bowl, you know, where you answer trivia questions. It's like this. You have TV cameras and you have buzzer and you, you answer trivia questions. And the uh, high schools in Wichita didn't play that game. Wichita is a, is a more, I guess, well, they're both pretty churchy, churchly, sort of church-going places, but Wichita is a little more so. In Wichita, they played a game called Bible Bowl. And what you do in Bible Bowl is the announcer reads, I don't know if you've, if you've ever seen Bible Bowl, it's on YouTube. Anyhow, the announcer reads a Bible passage and you, the contestant, have to jump out of your chair and identify it. <laughs> you know, the name of the book, chapter, and verse, right? And uh, 
So, okay, so here's a, Hillary and Donald are setting up their debates, and the first one, they're like, okay, well, the first one will be your standard de debate with a moderator, and he'll ask us questions, and the second debate will be a town hall-style debate. What will the third debate be? And I know what, if I was on Hillary's team, I would have said, the third debate's going to be Bible Bowl. <laughs> we'll have a little round of Bible Bowl with Donald Trump. She would have smoked him. And she would have, like, a state like Kansas would have, they would have been like, whoa, have we had this whole picture upside down all along? A state like Utah, you know, any of these places, Oklahoma. Anyhow, it, it, it boggles the mind that Hillary's campaign staff never thought of a way to get that out there before the public. Well, you know? well, well people in Kansas that you're talking about, this has sort of become the metaphor for people that vote for Trump. <laughs> yeah. Uh, will they listen to a Sanders-esque kind of social oh my God, democratic yes. Oh, my God. Sanders won uh, the Kansas Democratic primary. Uh, Kansas, he did very well there. Kansas is a populist state. And now this is, this is not something that I'm just saying because populism is the word of the month. This is what What's the Matter with Kansas is all about. This is the history of the state. So populism starts, the word starts with the populist party in the 1890s, uppercase P. It was actually called the People's Party, but they called it populist. And that was Kansas. Kansas is where it first materialized on the national scene. And the, it was all these farmers. They had organized. Uh, it wasn't secretive or anything. But left populism way to the left. They were socialists. They wanted to nationalize railroads, nationalize telegraphs, all this stuff. They were, you know, all these welfare state ideas. Uh, you know, they were pro-labor, all of these things. And they took over the state. And they ran Kansas for off and on for about 10 years. And this was, it was an uprising. I mean, they overthrew the local Republican Party. And this, after it happened there, it happened all over America, all over the Midwest, I should say, in the South. And uh, then it died down. But uh, that spirit is alive and well in Kansas to this day. And that's the story that I tell in What's the Matter with Kansas is how that all those left, that left-wing language, and you'll hear the same language today, the same words, the same uh, anti-elitist uh, language used always against liberals, always against liberals, uh, always against Democrats. Um, but it's the same language, it's the same anger, it's the, the, all the same stuff. <clears throat> and so What's the Matter with Kansas was how this changed from left to right, and it's a fascinating story. And left versions of it do crop up from time to time, and Bernie Sanders is the classic example, and that man caught fire in 2016. I, this is another, you talk about blunders of the Hillary campaign, and that, you know, you could have a set of encyclopedias on that, on that one. But here they've got, they've got Sanders. By the end of the campaign, I, I don't know if you're aware of this, you look at the ads that Trump was running on TV towards the end of the campaign, or you look at the speeches that Trump was giving right before the election, he was stealing from Bernie Sanders right down the list. Mm -hmm. He was just stealing the whole thing. Uh, and here's Sanders. Sanders has endorsed Hillary, is going around the country working for Hillary. Why aren't the Democrats out there putting him on everybody's TV screen with a robust endorsement of Hillary Clinton? Why aren't they out there saying this is our message and making it clear that we have the real deal? Well, because they, they thought... According, they didn't believe in it, that's why. Well, they hate it. They hate the Sanders message, yeah. and they yeah. thought she was going to win without it. Exactly. They didn't need it. Didn't need it. They, they, you know, they got nowhere else to go. That's democratic thinking. It always goes back to that. It's always so lazy, which gets back to the question in our last segment, complacency. You know, that, that campaign, I've never seen a more complacent campaign from the way they were doing their actual the hard work of politicking, which is, well, let's do it on the computer. You know, micro-targeting, you know, data analysis, you know, to the campaign slogans, America is already great. 
you know, this is a country club campaign. And, it, and it's in a, in, a, in a populist, an angry populist year. And whatever else you want to say about Donald Trump, and he is, uh, I mean, I can't stand the guy, but man, he, uh, he figured out a way for a Republican to catch that populist spirit. And he did it. And he did it to her. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. And thank you for joining us on The Real News Network.